How's everybody doing this morning? A little bit of a shock when you woke up and saw all that snow falling. I was like, it's spring, hello. April 3rd, it's snowing. Put it up in the back. So, I believe that uh, this morning, okay, you're going to get a double dose of God's anointing because you fought and you struggled to get here. <laughs> Getting here in the house of God is like half the battle. And you could have easily had an excuse this morning not to be here. But here you are. Because there's some, I guarantee that, oh, it's snowing, no church today, they canceled it. <laughs> right? But here you are. So today, my prayer is that you get a double dose of God's anointing. Amen? Can we uh, open up the scriptures to uh, Luke 15? We're going to be reading uh, verses 11 through 23. We're going to be talking about the parable of the uh, prodigal son and the lost son. Can we all stand for the reading of the words of God, or the word of God? Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, he was, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and, filled, and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to kiss his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatty calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to love you and be loved by you, Father. Lord, we pray, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would hide me behind your wings, Father. That you would use me, Lord, to speak your truths, Lord. Lord, that there would be strongholds broken in this sanctuary this morning. Lord, that there would be hearts changed. We love you. We love you. And we need you here. Have your Holy Spirit fill this place, I pray. Lord. Have your way in us this morning. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 
I think it's kind of important that I tell you how I uh, find myself before you this morning. Well, myself and uh, Pastor Mike have been talking, and if you haven't realized it, there is an epidemic in our state, in our country, with our youth smoking marijuana. Our teenagers are being uh, affected by this epidemic. But the epidemic is much bigger than our teenagers. The epidemic is within our adults, right? And we know that because in this very state, even as we sit here and I speak to you, there's an argument that's going on whether or not to legalize marijuana. So Pastor Mike felt that it was a noteworthy topic to address before the body because this is a problem that we all suffer. So I started to ponder on the thought of how I would address you on this topic. How do you talk to someone about marijuana? I guess there's a lot of different uh, terms used for it. There's marijuana, there's weed, it's wacky tobacco, there's um, bongo wango, whatever you want to call it, whatever your choice of term is. It's an epidemic that we all suffer uh, from and that we all have to, that we all have to deal with. So I've been a trooper for 22 years and a part of my job in the state police is I'm a drug recognition expert. Which means I went to school to learn about all the different effects and different things that the drug does to your system. So I asked God, God, is this what you want me to talk about? Do you want me to uh, explain to them how the chemicals affect the body and how the brain works? And to me, that's boring. But Jesus was always one to go to the heart of the matter. So today, I want to go to the heart of the matter. You see, I was uh, at a, a prayer service at my good friend George Ellenbush Church, uh, Genesis and Coventry, and we were praying. And after we prayed, we found a tape uh, by a pastor called Jack Frost. Has anybody ever heard of him? Well, he started to speak about uh, sonship. And then he talked on a topic of orphans. And when, he, when that word came into my ears, something in my spirit just jumped up and down. And I knew that God was answering a prayer as to what I should talk about, what the heart of the problem is. So today we're going to talk about orphans. The definition for orph orphans in the United States is where uh, a minor is bereaved of both their parents. So you're separated from or they passed away, or there's a disconnect, there's a separation from a minor and both parents. But in biblical times, the orphan was always connected to the widow. It was the orphan and the widow because the father was the primary um, economic uh, provider for the family. So when the father wasn't around, or when the father passed or the father left the home, the, the child was automatically labeled as orphan and the wife automatically labeled as widow. Scriptures, uh, there's tons and tons of scriptures in Old Testament and New about how we should treat uh, the orphan and the widow. Israel was considered to be an orphan and was adopted by a loving father. God adopted Israel as his very own. 
See, God is the God of the fatherless. He's the God of the powerless. He's the God of the helpless. Amen. That's why, to God, this is such a, a, a big topic. That's why, to God, it's just so important that we talk about and we deal with this, this, this thing of being an orphan. But more importantly, right, because, hey, guess what? I had both my parents, right? Most of us in here probably do have parents in our household. So we don't fit into the description or the definition of an orphan, right? But there's this thing that the orphan has, which is his way of thinking, his mentality. The orphan mentality that actually brings us into that place of being an orphan. See, when Adam bit into the apple in the garden, you know, God told him that the day you bite off this fruit, you will surely die. He wasn't talking about a physical death. He was talking about a spiritual death. He was talking about a separation between him and them. The day that happened, they became spiritual orphans. From that day forward, we've all been spiritual orphans, searching for something that was lost in the garden, seeking for the opportunity to fill empty spaces with the thing that was taken from us in the garden. And to make it worse, now we have orphans having orphans, babies having babies. And this is a struggle, this is a problem that we all suffer with, but I see it and I know it to be most prominent in our youth. It's this way of thinking. Scripture says that if, if, as a man thinks, so he is. See, our thoughts have a way of traveling into our hearts. And then our hearts become transformed. So this mentality, this way of thinking, is, 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 it, it subtly makes its way into our hearts. And then it changes us. It makes us into orphans. <coughs> See, we're going to look at this mentality through the lines of this scripture of the prodigal son. <laughs> Can we talk about three strongholds of the prodigal son? The three, three strongholds of this orphan mentality that I noticed in the prodigal son. And the first one is this thing of a lacking of trust. The prodigal son, it, we have to look at the story. In, in biblical times, it says the younger son. So he was the second son. So which means there was an older brother. In, in biblical times, the older brother was the brother that received the blessing. He was the one that received the lion's share of what the father had. He was the one that was going to take over the company. The younger son, he would get the leftovers. You see, when we're young, when we're uh, in our youth, when we're uh, children, we start to look at our parents. And when our parents make mistakes, when they start to do things that we deem as wrong, we start to lose trust and their ability to lead us. And somewhere in the prodigal son's life, as he was growing up in that household, and the struggle between him and his older brother, him and his father, he started to lose trust in his father, trust that his father had the interests, his best interest at him. See, when we lose trust, we lose faith. Trust is connected to faith. You can't have faith in something you don't trust. 
For the prodigal son lost faith in his father. We lose faith in our parents when we can't trust them. So the prodigal son decides, you know what? If he doesn't have my best interest at hand, then I'll take my best interest at hand. It no longer becomes about the mission of the father. Now it becomes about the mission of the son. His own welfare. Taking care of his own welfare. So he goes to his father and he says, Father, give me half of the estate. Which I think the father was very wise. There's no argument here. It just says the father divided among the two. But as I, I, I ponder on this scripture and think about what's going on here in this household, then I see the prodigal son as crying out for help. Saying, Father, here I am. Here I am, Father. When he says, give me half of the estate. Because the scripture says that uh, shortly thereafter, he gathers all those things and he leaves. So he didn't leave the moment that the father separated everything. He left after. So to me, he says, he was crying for help. He was saying, Father, I need you. So he gathers his stuff. See, there's, there's, there's something that happens in a young child's life when there's no connection to the father. When there's a separation from the father, there's something that happens in the There's a change that happens. The prodigal son decides that he wants to go and leave his house because he didn't trust his father. I grew up in a household of five boys. I was the youngest son. And all my brothers, by the way, are bigger than me, so. There's a lot of fatty cats killed. So, but the struggle to get attention, the struggle to, to feel loved. My parents loved me, but they had to work every day. They had a family to feed. They had bills to pay. Right? They were just trying to do the best they could. But see, in, in the child, in me, as I see uh, how my oldest brothers might be gaining things or, or getting things or going to proms, and you know, I'm struggling trying to just be recognized. There's a lack of trust that's being displaced in me. This lack of trust is the orphan mentality. You see, the prodigal son was often before he left the house. It was this way of thinking that is in all of us, that happened in the garden, that caused us to be orphans. So the second stronghold in this uh, 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 three stronghold of the orphan mentality is unmet needs. As I think of the prodigal son in his father's house, trying to get the father's attention, trying to have relationship with the father, there's unmet needs that he has. There's a, 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 an unmet need of love, of acceptance. And it's this, it's this unmet need that drives him from the house. He didn't leave the house because he wanted to. He, leave, he left the house because he was looking to be accepted. He left the house because he was looking for someone or something to accept him. 
See, this unmet need, this, this thing in us that desires to have, uh, uh, to be filled with love, this thing in us that desires uh, to be filled, to fill this empty space that's in us. If it's not filled, then we go looking for it in other places. And as we travel in this, this thinking process of Moanis not being met, we fall into this place of abandonment and rejection, where we start to feel abandoned, we start to feel rejected by the very people that are supposed to love us. This is a stronghold. So we, in this story, the prodigal son wants to take, he takes his stuff, and he says, give me half, Father, and I want to go, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go to a foreign country, because he's feeling rejected, he's feeling abandoned, he's feeling the lack of our youth struggle with this. Our youth are looking to their fathers, to their mothers, for love, for acceptance. And when that doesn't happen, the third stronghold comes in, which is a hardened heart. See, when the heart gets hard, The very thing that we were created to do, was to be loved, is, is, is broken because now the heart is rejecting it. The creation is broken. We start leaving and searching for, uh, for love in all the wrong places, searching for love in all the wrong faces, trying to fill empty spaces in our bodies, in our, in our souls that we can't seem to fill. We're trying to somehow deal with this hurt and this pain that we have. So we medicate. We medicate. We smoke weed. We get high with the fellas. Right? Not because we want to, because smoking weed with the fellas allows me to be a part of them. I'm accepted in that crew of guys. We get high. More crack, we heroin, we drink. It's a, it's a never-ending road downhill and away from the Father that this prodigal son has now entered into. Because the scripture says that he took all his stuff, he left, and he went to a foreign land. And there, spent all his wealth and wild living. He was getting high with the boys. You know what's interesting? When you, uh, and I can relate to this, right? Because I can relate to my partying days. When I was in the clubs popping the bubbly, right? In the, in the, uh, in the VIP, right? I remember when I always had the VIP, right? I always had about 30, 40 friends, like it was like, crowd, yeah! Everybody's partying, right? Until I can't get the VIP. Then I find myself at the bar by myself. See, when the prodigal son ran out of money and he couldn't support the wild living, he found himself all alone in a foreign land. See, this mentality of the orphan, this way of thinking, brings us down roads, places that we never wanted to be at, 
that we never wanted to uh, gain entrance into. Searching for love in all the wrong places, in all the wrong faces, trying to fill empty places. Particle son now is a man without love, a man without relationship, a man without a father in his life. See, and in biblical times, it was important that you that you were you were connected to the father because it was always I am the son of Jose, the grand great father of Jacob. And it was connected, right? But he's in a foreign land. And there's no connection for him. He's truly alone. No one knows his father. And no one cares. And that's where we find ourselves when we have these mentalities, these strongholds in us. See, this isn't common just to the prodigal son. This is in us. We're all prodigals. That's right. We all have gone through these stages lacking in trust, of unmet needs, the fear of rejection and abandonment, a hardened heart that can't receive love or give love. We lose faith. We lose faith in the one we should have faith in. That's why our youth are medicating themselves. That's why people are medicating themselves. Is trying to, to, to somehow heal a wound that can only be healed by the love of someone that's greater than the thing that they're trying to put in. That, that, that space that was only meant for one thing can't be filled by any other thing, but only one thing, and that's the thing that the Father has. In the parable, it says that he was starving, and he wanted to eat the food that was being fed to the pigs. He's working at a pig farm. Anybody here ever work at a pig farm or been to a pig farm? Anybody ever been to a pig farm? If you haven't been to, trust me when I tell you, you can smell a pig farm 10 miles away from the pig farm. This is not a good place to be working. Right? But this prodigal son finds himself in the worst place that he can be the furthest away from anyone that loves him, any place to call home. And he's starving, looking to eat the food that the pigs the pig eat better than him. Stinky, dirty pigs eat better than him. Sometimes I guess we gotta come to that place. Sometimes we gotta, God allows us to fall into that place. That's why I say that the Father was very wise. Sometimes we gotta get to our lowest place before we can look up and come to our senses. You see, there is a cure to these strongholds. There is a, a, a way out of the strongholds. And right here in the scriptures, we can see it. So the prodigal son comes to himself. While he was in the foreign land, does anyone think that the father stopped loving him? No. The father probably loved him more while he was gone than he ever did before. But the prodigal son had no way of seeing that love. 
prodigal son had no way of experiencing the father's love. See, when we're in that thinking and we're far from the father, we're far from our parents, we're far from the ones that love us, it's hard, impossible for us to see that love, even more impossible to experience it. The only thing we can do, the only thing we can do is come to our senses. Get up. Say, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back to my father's house because at my father's house, his servants eat better than I'm eating. At my father's house, his servants live better than I'm living. I'm going to go home. And I'm going to say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am not worthy to be your son. Please make me a hired servant. Anybody in here ever gotten in trouble before? Right? And, and you gotta go home. Right? And then like you're in the car and you're going home and you're like, oh man, what am I gonna say? I'm in trouble. I got lost. How about that? Right? Trying to think of anything in order to get yourself redeemed in the eyes of your parents. This is the prodigal son. I can see him on his way home. Father, I have sinned against heaven against you. Think you'll you accept that? Think you'll believe that? He makes his movement to the Father. You see, God loves us, right? He loves us greatly, uh, more than we can ever imagine. As a matter of fact, you know, um, as I was thinking about this and I thought about Jesus' greatest two commandments to love your father, your God, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And the second is to love your neighbor. Like, if we number them one and two, it's like a one B. And the one B is that your father loves you with all his mind, all his mind, all his heart, and all his soul. But you gotta receive it. You gotta be able to receive it. And the way that you receive it do like the prodigal son did. He started his journey home. He stepped back towards the presence of the one who could fill the empty space. And what's awesome, what's awesome is that scripture says that when he was a long ways off, the father saw him. Which tells me that every day he was looking out the window. Every day, he was walking out the door going, could that be, could that, could that be? Eh, no, it's not him. Wait, th wait, there's, there's someone. Wait, uh, is that him? No. So finally, he looks and he says, wait a second. It's about the right height. He walks like him. Servant, quick, quick, quick. That's my son. And he runs to him, and he hugs him, and he kisses him. The son is home. And this is my favorite part of the scripture, right? This is my favorite part. The son goes up to the father, and he says, Father, I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against heaven, and I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me your hired servant. And the father doesn't even give that any acknowledgement. Doesn't even, it's like he didn't even hear it. He's like, quick, get the best robe, put it on. Right? In those times, he said the best robe. So that robe probably had the family crest on it. That robe probably had an insignia on it. Like was told the father of the son that he was home. That robe represented security. Security breaks the stronghold of a lack of trust. 
You can't be secure in anything if you don't trust it. So the first thing that the prodigal, that the father does to the prodigal son is he attacks that, that stronghold of a lack of trust by putting the robe on his back. He says, son, you're home. You are now in a place of security. Then he says, put a ring on his finger. See, that ring represents sonship. See, as I was thinking about this story, and, and I, I thought about the, the prodigal son and his brother, his older brother, probably because his older brother was the one who would inherit the blessing, the one who would get the lion's share, he probably had a ring. But the second son never got. So here it is, the father is giving him this ring. He's saying, here you go, son. That thing that you desired the most, the unmet need that you desired, which was my love, my acceptance. Here you go, son. The ring represents sonship. Then he says, put sandals on his feet. I don't know if you guys ever, I know we, we were in Israel. Israel's a rocky, dirty place. Not dirty in the sense of uh, messy, trashy dirty, but dirty, there's dirt everywhere. There's no grass. There's a little bit of grass here and there, mostly rocks and dirt. And they walked all over the place. I was wondering, I was like, man, these sandals, they have like little leather strips that they have on their feet, but yet they walk for miles and miles and miles in those sandals. Mostly, if you couldn't afford them, you probably walk barefoot. But here, the prodigal son is being given a pair of sandals for his feet, which represents stability. Now there's a foundation under him. You see, having a foundation, having stability in the household tells me that I'm loved. Tells me that I'm wanted, I'm accepted. The prodigal son now has the opportunity to break the stronghold of the hard heart because now that he's accepted and he's feeling the love of the father, the love softens the hard heart. It allows him to receive the very thing he's yearned for all his life, the love of the father. You see, our youth need to experience the love of their father, the love of their mother, the love of their father God, in order to feel accepted, in order to feel desired, wanted. See, this erases all the strongholds. This takes away the, the, the thing that makes them want to medicate to get high. This takes away that need to want to be a part of the group. That love restorates. Restitution has been paid. And now the son, the prodigal son, the orphan son, can now become a true son. A real son. You see, when he left the house, he left as an orphan. But when he came home, he came home as a son. See, my prayer is, is that we accept our youth, we accept each other as the prodigal father accepted his son. That we would pour out our love to 
for them. And we would also be able to receive the love of the Father. See, if we can't receive love, then this is powerless. See, the power is in the love. Right? We can love God with all our hearts, all our minds. There's no, there's, no, there's no transformation. There's no change in that. We can love our neighbors. There's no change in that. But when we receive the love of the Father, there's a transformative power that comes into us and makes us into the sons, into the daughters that we were meant to be. Yeah. It's that power. That power to receive the love of God that transforms, that changes, that makes prodigals into sons, into daughters. And finally, this last verse it says that um, the Father says, Get the fatted calf and kill it. For this son of mine who was dead is alive, this son who was lost is found. And it was a celebration. You see, every time, every time a prodigal comes home, every time someone that doesn't know the love of God steps into his grace, there's a celebration in heaven. An angel is celebrating. There's a fat calf killed. Jesus is having a celebration on your behalf. Scripture says the angels are cheering. And the fat calf, see, the fat calf represents. Um, uh, uh, repentance because in order to uh, 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 sacrifice the fatted calf which was the best you had to be pure to sacrifice it had to be a repentance of sins in order for the fatted calf to be sacrificed see our father God he sacrificed the fatted calf which was his son that you and I could have a path to his love that you and I, that our youth, can no longer be prodigals, no longer need uh, to medicate ourselves, no longer need to be in the presence of the wrong faces in the wrong places, but in the presence of the one that loves us. And these are the awful mentalities. My prayer is that somehow, you can come before the Father. You can receive his love and give his love. And this mentality is broken. This stronghold is born. These strongholds are now born. And now you can be the son, the daughter, 